0: Let us pray. My Lord God, I have no idea where I am going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end. Nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think I am following your will does not mean that I am actually doing so. But I believe that the desire to please you does, in fact, please you and i hope i have that desire in all that i am doing i hope that i will never do anything apart from that desire and i know that if i do this you will lead me by the right road though i may know nothing about it therefore will i trust you always though i may seem to be lost and in the shadow of death i will not fear for you are ever with me and you will never leave me to face my perils alone. The language of prayer feels especially precious to me these days. I know the language of prayer is always precious, but if like me you are spending an inordinate amount of time in front of a computer screen right now, and perhaps reading just a few too many news articles and social media updates, then maybe you know what I mean. I have rarely been so aware of the effect of words on my body. I opened the latest article on the spread of the coronavirus, and I can feel tension and fear seep into my body, like cold water soaking through clothing. Everything seems to tighten, and I can feel my pulse quicken inside me. Yes of course, we need to be informed right now. We need to know what measures are appropriate and necessary for each of us to be taking. So I know I need to do some of this reading, but I'm pretty sure I don't need to be doing quite as much as I actually am. The news can feel constricting and suffocating to me in the quantity I'm taking it in right now. And prayer is the opposite. The language of prayer... Breathing deeply, settling into the presence of God, speaking words of deep trust. All of this opens me up. It loosens what is clenched in me like a fist and brings me back to myself once again. There is a physical, bodily connection. I have noticed this time and again this past week, including when I have listened to the prayers that members of our community have been courting for the podcast we just began the language of prayer feels precious to me right now. So it felt right to begin today with a prayer. That one that I read a moment ago comes from Thomas Merton, and it begins with words of bracing honesty that, to me, seem spot-on for this moment that we are in. My Lord God, I have no idea where I am going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end. Merton wrote that prayer in 1958, but it feels as current as can be, because that's how it is now, right? We have been suddenly thrown into a moment when we cannot see very far ahead. Just think back three short weeks ago. In Geneva, there were no restrictions yet in place on social gatherings or social distancing, just some recommendations about good hygiene. It already seems a world away, doesn't it? We are doing our best to keep up, but the truth is there is much we cannot see right now. We cannot see very far down the road ahead. So it feels apt that on this fourth Sunday of Lent, we have a story about blindness and sight. It's a healing story, yes. Jesus encounters a man who has been blind from birth and he grants him sight. That's right, of course. But you may have noticed that that's all accomplished and done with rather early on. Seven verses into this story, the man has his sight for the first time. But that is just the beginning. There are still 34 verses left to go, which is a pretty good signal, one, that we are in the Gospel of John, which has lots of very long stories, and two, that this story is not only about the light that streamed into a pair of previously unseeing eyes for the first time. It is about blindness and sight, yes, but not just the kind that involves the functioning of irises and optic nerves. And when you look at the story that way, while you can see other sorts of blindness everywhere, The disciples are blind when it comes to that question they ask concerning the man sitting by the side of the road. Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? I know lots of people say there are no bad questions, but really this is a bad one. The way it is asked presumes there are only two possible answers. The man or his parents must have done something wrong for him to be this way. Jesus rejects the question altogether. There is no sin here, only an instance for grace to be shown. So the disciples are blind, so are the neighbors. When the man's sight has been restored, they can't seem to recognize this member of their community. Here he is, standing right before them, but now that he's no longer blind, they're not sure if he's even the same person. The religious leaders are blind, of course, they can see no grace, no joy in the man's healing, only a violation of the law, a healer who isn't very good at keeping the Sabbath. Add to that the man's parents. When they're questioned about this transformation in their son's life, they are blinded by their fear of being singled out or excluded. And instead of standing up for him, they slink off into the background. Even the man himself is profoundly limited in what he sees. Yes, his eyes are functioning differently now. He's got his physical sense of sight. But there's so much he doesn't yet understand. At first, he only knows the basic facts of what has happened to him. There was a man Jesus, and some mud, and some water, and now I can see. His testimony deepens as the story goes on. He later calls Jesus a prophet, and then a man from God. But all along, he's limited in how much he sees how much he understands what has actually happened to him. You can find blindness everywhere in this story. A whole lot more blindness than sight, in fact. And to me, there is a profound truth there about the life of faith. It is actually a constant dance between blindness and sight, between confusion and understanding, between disorientation and new orientations, in the company of Jesus. That's really how it is, isn't it? There is plenty that we cannot see right now. We can't see how long this period of isolation will be necessary. We can't see what new measures may need to be put in place in order to slow the spread of the virus. We can't see the full effects yet of this crisis on our lives or our communities. There is much that we can't see. But in the midst of this blindness, when it comes to the future, maybe we are also able to see some things in the present, with newfound clarity. A friend mentioned to me this past week how strange it is to have the entire world focused on the same thing right now. That is amazing when you think about it, isn't it? We talk so much about fragmentation in our communities and our nations and our world, And yet, in this moment, we are all talking about the same thing. There is the possibility here to see with new eyes how deeply connected we, in fact, are. The editors of The Christian Century put it this way this past week. A global pandemic is laying bare what the church has long confessed. All people are deeply and inextricably connected to one another, like branches on a vine. We know this, we confess it to be true, and here we are, seeing its profound truthfulness in broad daylight. Despite all our differences and arguments and grievances and barriers, we human beings really are in this together. So that's one thing we are seeing right now. I think we're also seeing once again just how precious the gift of community is. I have been blown away this past week by the outpouring of care I've seen in our congregation. We cannot be together physically, but members are still drawing close, checking in with one another, offering support, showing up in countless ways. We need these connections. We need one another. We are seeing how true that is all over again. And we are seeing again how foundationally important our faith is. In this time when so much is uncertain and disorienting, we recognize just how deeply we need our faith to guide us. I have been remembering the words of Pope Francis this past week. Faith is not a light that scatters all our darkness, but a lamp that guides our steps in the night and suffices for the journey. Yes, there is much that we can't see ahead of us right now. And our faith doesn't change that fact, but it does give us what we need. Enough light to put one foot in front of the other, to keep on praying, to keep on extending care to others in need, to keep looking beyond ourselves to the needs of others. There are all sorts of unknowns at the end of our gospel story. We don't know just what the future holds for the man born blind. He's been abandoned by his neighbors, by the religious authorities, even by his family. So what will his life look like now? What will he do tomorrow? We don't know that, but we know that Jesus is with him. This is Jesus, the good shepherd, the one who never leaves his sheep, who restores their souls, leads them in right paths, who prepares a table with room for all. Friends, this Jesus is beside us as well. Therefore, we can trust him always. Even when we may seem to be lost and in the shadow of death, we will not fear, for he is ever with us, and he will never leave us to face our perils alone. Amen.